0: If you've ever encountered someone with Down syndrome, you know that they are some of the kindest, most joyful people you will ever meet. They truly have something extra. My name is Lisa Nichols, and I have spent the last 24 years as both the CEO of Technology Partners and as the mother to Allie. Allie has something extra in every sense of the word. I have been blessed to be by her side as she impacts everyone she meets. Through these two important roles as CEO and mother to Ali I have witnessed countless life lessons that have fundamentally changed the way I look at the world. While you may not have an extra chromosome, every leader has something extra that defines who you are. Join me as I explore the something extra in leaders from all walks of life and discover how that difference in each of them has made a difference in their companies, their families, their communities, and in themselves. excited to have Justin McFarland on the show today. Justin is Executive Vice President of Information Technology at McCarthy Building Companies and Castle Contracting. If you like this episode today, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and leave us a five-star rating. Well, Justin, I have been so excited about spending this time with you today. You and I met recently, really the last couple of years. And I just know that you're just going to have so much wisdom to share with our listeners. So thank you so much for making the time to be on the show.
1: Well, I'm thrilled to be here, Lisa. Thank you for asking me.
0: Well, listen, I want to talk a little bit about just your background. I know that you grew up in Edwardsville. So tell me what that was like. Tell me a little bit about your growing up years. Yeah,
1: for sure. So so grew up in Edwardsville. So I was a Edwardsville High School Tiger. We moved to Edwardsville when I was in third grade. And so grew up with a family of six. So I had parents and three brothers, two of which were older than me. So as a child, it was constantly that I want to play with my older brothers, right? How do I keep up with them? And I think in a lot of ways that helped motivate me and and give me some confidence and um, helped probably make me a better athlete by just playing against some older and stronger and faster competition. But, you know, sports were a big part of my life. I still love sports, watching sports and and watching my kids, how they've grown and played sports, but played a lot of soccer throughout my life. Like you said, I, I was fortunate enough to make varsity team as a freshman and played all four years. And what was really memorable is our senior year was the first time our team went to state. And so growing up, it was always Granite City or Collinsville were kind of the soccer meccas for us. And so it was really awesome to kind of put Edwardsville on the map. That was great. Loved baseball, played that and played basketball as well. But, you know, so I give a lot of credit to my parents, you know, throughout that. They obviously supported my my athletics. They took me to more practices than I could imagine. And. For the most part, we're at every game that I can always remember. And they pushed me academically. They pushed me uh, athletically as well and taught me a lot of the lessons that hopefully have been kind of my foundation for who I am today and what I try to instill in my own kids.
0: Kudos to parents, you know, that do that kind of thing. So, you
1: know, I look back now and I don't know how my parents raised four boys. I mean, (laughs) I have a boy, I have a daughter, and I just think back of all the rough housing. Again. I feel like a taxi cab with just two kids. I can't imagine having four kids and and what they were doing, plus having careers. And so uh, you don't appreciate it as a kid. But now you look back, you're thinking, holy cow, mom and dad sacrificed a lot for us and certainly
0: appreciate that. Absolutely. And I know that you've talked more about how their influence and your coach's influence. But, you know, you went on then to play four years for Wash U and actually got your bachelor's at WashU, your MBA at WashU. So you truly were an athletic and academia achiever. And you've gone on to do that in your career too. And I want to talk a little bit about that. But before I do that, I'm going to embarrass you a little bit. But you know, I just want to say I'm very proud of you because you are an Orbe finalist for the St. Louis CIO Awards. So congratulations. That is a big deal. It was just a thrill
1: to be, you know, included in the group and then to be selected as a finalist. Super thrilled and humbled and, you know, there's so many talented people within our St. Louis technology community. Yeah, I think we talk all the time. It's really a small community, right? And it's a pretty well-connected community and a community that generally is pretty sharing and willing to kind of help each other out and kind of rise all tides. And so just happy to be part of the group and got a really talented three folks that I'm I'm going up against here in, in early December. Um, all three are super talented. Just, uh, again, happy to be part of it.
0: You know, really and truly, I'm proud that, you know, we're bringing the Orbeez to St. Louis. This is a national thing, Justin. But, you know, Technology has changed so much in that technology is no longer in the backseat. Technology is in the boardroom now. Technology is driving companies. And I know you guys have had a lot of technological advances and in the commercial construction. I want to talk about that. I was looking, and since you started your career, and you started as a consultant But I was looking, and in your career, you have had, I want to say, nine or 10 different roles. at different companies. You've done a lot of different things, but you've continued to rise through the ranks. And now you're the Executive Vice President of Information Technology for McCarthy. And you've been there, I think, for what? A couple of years, right?
1: Uh, December will be five years.
0: So before we get into the details of like what you're doing, you know, I would love for you just to talk a little bit about McCarthy.
1: Yeah. I mean, McCarthy's over 150 years old. Uh, We are primarily a general contractor. We do large commercial work for the most part, right? So think about hospitals, think about education, university. Last year, kind of our flagship project was the new Raider Stadium out in Las Vegas, where we partnered with a, a peer of ours, Mortensen. So we build big, beautiful facilities and buildings. And... The company like i said 150 years old it was privately owned by the mccarthy family for a lot of years and it passed down through through the mccarthy families and a little over 20 years ago it became fully employee owned and so we call ourselves partners right because at the end of the day we are owners of the company and so every individual here after one year of service is eligible to become part of the organization and you become an instant owner of the company and we think that ESOP and ownership mentality creates, it's kind of a really good foundation for kind of that special culture. And at the end of the day, I think what makes us a special place is truly our people. Right, we talked a, a little bit uh, in the beginning, You know, we don't manufacture widgets and things like that. I mean, generally every project that we do is different what we think and we believe our special sauce is our people. We bring people together who believe in the power of teamwork and they collaborate really well and they're smart and they figure out how to solve problems to deliver these complex facilities and buildings that we do build. And so it's just a, it's a fun place to work. We work hard, play hard, have a good time and really support each other.
0: Yeah, that's great. Well, and I was also reading for our St. Louis community. You guys won the contract for the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency headquarters in North St. Louis, which I know was a very competitive process that you guys went through you know, that's just one, but you also, didn't you guys do the museum too at the Gateway Arch?
1: We did, yeah, we did the Arch transformation, and we we recently finished up the aquarium down at Union Station, and we're doing the the BJC Tower down off uh, King's Highway, so it's awesome just to drive around. We've got another big project in Clayton. It's really fun to see the McCarthy crane when you're driving around to work. It, It adds a little bit of sense of pride there as you're driving around the city, and it's great to see Quite honestly, not only the building we're doing, but some of our peers, it's great to see all the development happening in our city
0: here. It sure is. I could not agree with that more. But let's talk about construction. You know, and you and I have talked about this a little bit, but traditionally Construction has been a little bit behind in technology, but I know that we've talked about this and you guys are using technology in a big way and there's been technological breakthroughs. Can you just tell our listeners a little bit about how technology is impacting the commercial construction industry?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, we've been on the proverbial digital transformation like many companies and industries and, you know, we're cloud first and use modern SaaS-based solutions and, yeah, but there's still opportunities to further modernize field processes that uh, we do. I mean, just a year and a half, two years ago, we finally went to digital timesheets, which seems like a bit of a head scratcher, but sometimes it's incremental. But I would say we're doing some basic transformations. But then you look at some of the technologies that we, we use on a, on a regular basis out in the field, and I would say that's really, really sophisticated. I mean, we fly drones all the time, not just to see progress on how we're doing at our job sites, but we fly them over you know, our solar sites and they use, you know, LiDAR technology to be able to scan panels and do things like that where traditionally, you know, a human would have to go out and manually inspect those types of things. I mean, everything now we're starting to do is based on a 3D model. And so you can see the sophistication of what gets built within these models. We're applying VR, we're applying AR to what we're doing all the way in the front of the process, the design process, so Lisa, imagine You're an owner, and you're thinking about building your hospital, right? We can start to design that out. We can put, you know, your Hololens on, and from a VR perspective, right, you can see in 3D and move and touch and kind of design the room before the shovels are hitting the ground. When you think about that experience, it's so much more efficient and effective, right, than the days of here's your 2D drawings and you've got little samples and swatches, and then when it starts to come together, you're sitting there saying that's not quite what I was envisioning, and then you run into change orders and delays. So I mean, we're seeing so many different applications of technologies that help us on the design aspect through the whole life cycle of the project, and then how we keep our folks in the field safe, and then also just kind of measure our work and accuracy our work out in the field.
0: I love that. I did not know that you were using the AR and the VR. And I mean, that totally makes sense. Well, so many of the industries are starting to use artificial intelligence and machine language. Are you seeing that same thing in commercial construction?
1: Yeah, I, I think we're still at the infancy stages for truly AI machine learning type of adoption. You, know, It's being talked about a lot you know, from our own lens, we're starting to do more investigation around that. We're starting to talk to some external partners and startups about some one-off type use cases of where maybe you can apply some of that. So we're not widespread quite yet, but there's definitely some conversations happening around
0: it. That is great. You know, we've seen like during COVID, I mean, it seems like everybody is having supply chain issues. And supply chain for you guys is huge because you're raw materials in that. I mean, has that affected you guys? And what what are you doing about it?
1: We've certainly had some impacts. I mean, probably the biggest item tends to be steel. Having steel either delays, but uh, probably the biggest things we've been seeing, which a lot of folks who go to Home Depot and other places, right, are just the escalations, the cost escalations, right? So supplies are down, the prices have been up. So there's just been a lot of work of how do we rework our schedules when we're seeing delays in certain areas, partnering with our trade partners on maybe there's different ways that we can start other pieces of work while other things are happening. So just a tremendous amount of collaboration, trying to work through some of those challenges. And obviously, then conversations with our owners about price escalations and what does this mean to projects in flight or maybe projects that were queued up because you estimated them at one price and now these prices have gone up so significantly significantly. So what are our options as we move forward to make it kind of fair and equitable on, on all sides for that?
0: For sure. Well, I mean, you guys, you guys are not alone. I mean, we're hearing this a lot. So, you know, we, we do need to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about the IT talent, Justin, because I know that that is something that's top of mind for every EVP and, and CIO's mind. So we'll talk about that. But we do need to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Justin McFarland. Hi everybody, I just wanted to take a second and tell you about something our team at Technology Partners can do for your business. We have spent over two decades partnering with organizations and helping them solve their IT needs from a 360 degree perspective. A huge part of how we solve those needs is by developing custom applications of all shapes and sizes. If your team is looking for software and an out of the box solution just isn't right, it's time to consider how we might be able to help. Go to tpi.co slash custom apps and learn more about our awesome capabilities. So, welcome back, everyone, to the Something Extra podcast. So, Justin, we've been talking about technology, and goodness gracious, <laughs> there's not a CIO that I know or an EVP of tech that I know that is not concerned right now with the IT talent shortage. And, you know, now, Because of COVID and and now that we've figured out that we can work from anywhere, you know, it's really called like the talent tsunami because you're not even sharing resources with local companies. Now you're sharing resources sometimes with the East and the West Coast. You know, they're coming here and saying, hey, come work for XYZ and you can stay in St. Louis. I mean, it is a real challenge. What are you guys seeing? Are you seeing that it's hard to find? And are there other roles right now that you guys are having a hard time filling?
1: This is the fear, right? You know, and you read about the mass resignations and all that. I mean, I think you know, we've been really, really fortunate. We have not lost anybody as a result of that. And I'll come back to again. We try to create a great culture where people enjoy being here and feel like they have opportunities to continue to grow in their careers and do what they want to do. Uh, with all that said, right? I mean, we probably have 75, 80 percent of our team here in St. Louis. But you know, in the past, we've had to branch out, and so we tend to then look for talent at our major regional office locations, right? So, hey, we've got. Somebody in Houston, a couple of folks in Dallas, you know, San Francisco, and so we kind of round out our team, which in a lot of cases I think is a good thing. It gets folks out in the regions or connected with the business. You know, we've got some really good participation and in, in relationship building that's happening out there, kind of on the ground, if you will. So that part is wonderful. I will say, for a couple of our roles, I mean, we've had a little bit of challenge where folks wanted more remote type of opportunity. And I'll say from McCarthy's lens, right, we've been pretty clear that we feel like we're better together and we are, we're offering flexibility, but we're not offering 100% like flexibility, you know, go move to New York and work 100% remote. So there's been a couple of folks that we've had to pass on because they were adamant that they wanted that flexibility. But, you know, again, a lot of folks that on the flip side that we have talked to, they said, yeah, I'm looking for flexibility, but not 100% one way, not 100% the other way. So we're trying to strike the right balance that kind of works for everybody that gets into the office, you're building the relationships, you got connections outside your core team but also affords you some of that flexibility that, you know, you can work from home and do some of the things around that.
0: And I know, Justin, that you guys are very committed to growing your people and that's part of it. You've already talked about the culture really kind of hooks people and and they love being there. You know, McCarthy is an award-winning company. I mean, those things all help, but also investing back into your people. You guys were one of the first companies to put your name in the hat to help with the, launch the Tech LX, the technology leadership experience here in St. Louis that we are partnering with Willett and Associates on. So thank you for that. And I think you've sent several people through the program now.
1: We were thrilled to be part of the inaugural cohort one And since that point, I think we're on cohort six or seven, somewhere around there. I think we've had partners participate in every cohort. It's been a really awesome experience. Our folks that have gone through there have really enjoyed the program. I mean, the folks that are facilitating the programs have been awesome, but certainly the networking and the relationship building has been probably one of the top things. And then the mentor-mentee aspect of the program. I think everybody in our group still stays in contact with their mentors, and I certainly encourage that. So, it's been a win-win-win. So, certainly appreciate you, Lisa. I know you guys are a big part of the Tech LX and and bringing them to St. Louis, and Dan and his team. Certainly appreciative to have such a high-quality leadership development program that you know centered around technology professionals. So. i proud to be part of it and look forward to being a part of it for years to come.
0: And it is so important because as we said earlier in this episode, Justin, technology is at the forefront. I mean, companies are now saying we're really a technology company. You know, we just happen to be MasterCard International says we're not credit card processor. We are a technology company. We just happen to do this other thing, you know, and so technology is so important. So if we're not growing that talent, we're not going to be positioned for the future. And that's just the reality. We've already talked about how you excelled in athletics, you excelled in academia. Jim Rohn says motivation is what gets you started, but habit is what keeps you going. You know, I'm not going to presume what you're going to say here, Justin, but I would think that, you know, there was so much probably in athletics that you learned about good habits and self-discipline that really have carried through. Tell us a little bit about that, if you would, and your whole idea around habits and motivation, and how do you keep yourself growing? How do you keep yourself motivated?
1: Absolutely. I I think sports is just so wonderful on so many lenses, like you said. I mean, the self discipline. Well, first of all, you have to be motivated, right? If you don't have that internal drive, right, competitive fire, and that desire to want to be there and excel, is not really going to flourish. And you can tend to tell the folks that are really engaged and enjoying what they're doing, whether it's sports or it's work, or they're kind of there because maybe mom and dad made them come, or because hey, I've just been doing this and and it's a job. So figuring out, you know, whether it's you personally or certainly as a leader, right, thinking about are we creating an environment and a culture that is kind of naturally motivating our people. So that's really important. But then, like you said, I mean, self-discipline. I mean, if you want to be good, if you want to be one of the best, it takes a lot of hard work. And that's ensuring that you're meeting the the expectations, you're pushing yourself. And as you get busy with school and, and everything that you have to do, you have to be organized. You have to figure out where do you carve time to dedicate to your craft. And that means also prioritizing what's really important to you and what's not. And growing up through high school and playing three sports and trying to stay on top of school and trying to be social and, and even going into college with the workload and school. And, and I worked while I was doing it as well. And so you had to prioritize, you had to be really disciplined about where do you spend your time and be organized to, in order to make that happen. And so that has really helped benefit me through my career. But, you know, I can tell you like starting out and even today, right? I mean, my wife would tell you, I'm a competitive person. I don't like losing in cards at home and, and anything. And I think that's helped me excel in my career. And it's not because I'm necessarily competing against my colleague. It's just one of those when I make a commitment, I'm going to give you 110% and do everything in my power to, to deliver on that commitment. So I think a lot of that's just come from kind of that sports background and desire to exceed like that.
0: You know, I think one of the aspects of a leader is that leader has to be inspiring. If you're not inspiring, you're not going to have followers, right? And probably your team just sees that fire. And it's, and to your point, it's not that you're trying to compete against a colleague. I always say just every day, I want to be a better version of me. That's what we should all be striving to be. And that's competing against yourself, right? You know, what kind of leader do you think you are? And I think there's 15 different archetypes out there. But I'm listening to you now and I'm thinking you're probably an inspirational leader. You know, you're probably the pace setter. What do you think about that?
1: Certainly through my career, I would say pace setter has been on my list. And I think it's still, I am a pace setter. I try to always act with a sense of urgency and encourage our teams to act with a sense of urgency. Now I have matured over the course of time to say, maybe we do need to slow down and, you know, and we can't always go hundred miles an hour and I think that's important. You know, I'm certainly a collaborative leader. I certainly love being a leader and seeing our teams be successful and seeing them collaborate and work together. And to me, that brings a lot of joy. I enjoy the positive energy and I enjoy the celebration. And for me, like there's not a prouder moment of recognizing a team or an individual for a job well done the days of me doing the work are over, right? They hardly give me access to anything anymore, right? (laughs) And so, you know, I've transitioned in my career and what I do from a leadership perspective, but a big part of what I do in day in and day out is how do I create and cultivate a culture that people want to be here, that they want to work, and how are we creating opportunities for folks to grow in their career, whether that's I want to go the manager route, or I just want to be more technology-oriented and and specialize in something. And so that's a huge part of where I spend my time and it, it brings me a lot of satisfaction.
0: Yeah, great. Well, we need leaders like you, Justin. So thank you so much for the kind of leader you are. And I know that you're creating other leaders. So this is called Something Extra. I have to ask you, Justin, what is the something extra that you believe every leader needs?
1: Yeah, I've been thinking about this and I think more than ever, I kind of frame it up as genuine connection. And so I look at it from a couple of different lenses. One, in leading like your own team and your sub teams, it's so important to have true, genuine connections with your employees, built on trust, built on respect, built on being inclusive. And with everything going on in our world that's been going on the last couple of years, right? Making sure you have that personal connection. You know, so many folks have different things happening outside of the office, and it's really important to be able to connect on that personal level have that empathy and compassion for your teams and be there on more of a personal level than you ever have before. And so I think just having that mindset and, and that's just going to help your teams be more successful going forward because anything, like all relationships are built on trust. And If you can have that trust, you can have good conversations and you can challenge each other and push each other all in the right ways. And it starts with just having kind of genuine connections at that personal level. And I think Kind of the other lens is how I think about outside of the IT organization, you know, hear all the time that CIOs and IT leaders want the proverbial seat at the table. It all starts with genuine connections. And the more that we're out there and the more that we're connecting with our business partners and establishing those relationships, and obviously then we're delivering on what we promise, that goes a huge, long way, right? Because then you're in the forefront of their mind, like, yeah, I want to invite Justin to this meeting. Before I just show up to Justin and say, hey, we need this piece of technology or we think we figured it out, go do this. But a lot of that just starts with having those relationships and those connections. So I think we can be great at our jobs and we can deliver, but if we aren't able to influence or aren't able to have those relationships, it's gonna be really hard to kind of get out of that IT bubble. So. For me, that's something extra, particularly more than ever, is the genuine connections aspect.
0: Beautifully said. I love it. Well, what are you excited about, Justin? What's coming up that you're excited about that you want to tell our listeners about? And if there's anything they can get involved in, you know, I'd love for you to talk about that, too. Well, least
1: I'm excited about a lot of things. From a McCarthy standpoint, we're poised next year to have some big growth. And so we've been spending a lot of time about how do we continue to scale this organization we're no longer, you know, a small two and a half, three billion dollar organization. We're gonna be a five, five and a half billion dollar organization. So how do we continue to scale at the appropriate level? So we're spending a lot of time, you know, around that. We're thinking about automation. You mentioned machine learning and AI. We're not quite there yet, but how do we start looking at some of the other automation capabilities to help remove some of the manual labor and help streamline some of this that stuff? But Another huge focus for us is data analytics. We are probably about a year and a half, two years into our data analytics journey. We've got our infrastructure built. We're pulling some good stuff. We have a couple of data analysts that are existing out in our regions. We've got a pretty good operating model, but the good news is the demand and the excitement around leveraging data as an asset in our company is really starting to bubble up. So we've got a really good opportunity heading in the next year. How do we continue to mature? as an organization around data analytics and really see data start to make a pretty impactful result for our company. So those are a couple of things that I'm pretty excited about as we head into next year.
0: Yeah, it sounds great. And you hear that old adage, data is the new oil. (laughs) It is so important. Never before have we curated so much data. Now, what do we do with it? How can we gain better insights, Justin? So I love that you guys are on that journey. Well, hey, this has been so much fun for me. Thank you so much for being willing to be on the show today. I know that your insights and your wisdom is going to help our listeners. So thank you so much, Justin, for your time.
1: Well, Lisa, thank you again so much for having me. It was was a joy. I love listening to the podcast every week. You do a phenomenal job. so, So thank you again.
0: Thank you for listening
1: to today's show. Something Extra with Lisa Nichols is a Technology Partners production. Copyright Technology Partners, Inc. 2019. For show notes or to reach Lisa, visit tpi.co slash podcast. Don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen.